I just feel led by, um, by the Lord just to, to take our reflections into Psalm 23. Just at the start of this year, Psalm 23. I wasn't planning on speaking on this, um, but just as I sat down just to pray it through and think it through, uh, Psalm 23 has just been constantly coming back to me. Um, so if you, if you find that in your, your Bibles, that'd be great. If you haven't got a Bible, there's some on the connect point. If not, don't worry, it'll come up on the screen. Um, we're going we're gonna to dive into that. But I, did anyone get any good gifts for Christmas? Any, any good presents? Anything that you, what did you get? You got a what? A laptop. Touch, oh my goodness me, a touch screen laptop. That sets the standards high. Wow. Yeah. Anyone else? Go high, oh, go on. 50 pound voucher from Debenhams. Very nice. Get to choose then, don't you? Don't have to ask for the gift receipt on that one. New pajamas. I love a set of new pajamas. Oh my goodness. Does anyone know what the craze of Christmas was this year? There's always a craze. I kind of when I was a kid, there was always craze. It was like um, the, the the one thing. I think a, a Game Boy. Is that still the thing? Oh, when I was my, I was going to say when I was my age, it was a Game Boy. I got I got the Game Gear. I was desperate for a Game Boy. I was a bit disappointed. Um, but I've heard a lot of kids talking about. Has anyone heard of Fortnite? Is, for, is that last year or okay? Maybe not. For me, it's uh, it's a computer game where they build a fort at night time. Why you need a computer game to do that? Growing up, I would just build a fort at night. It's just reality rather than a computer game. But growing up, there were loads of different crazes. There was. Um, does anyone remember Furbies? Yeah. Do you remember Furbies? Everyone remember uh, Bella's got Hatchimals, which me is just a rebrand of Furbies, and they just crack the egg as they come out. They're quite cool. But um, when I was growing up, it was Lego. I loved Lego. Still love it now. Um, big Lego fans love Lego. Uh, I was a big Thundercat fan. So I had the Thunder Tank and the Thundercat figures. And uh, for anyone who remembers Thundercats, I loved They've got the, the theme tune going on. Um, I don't know if you remember this craze. I'm going to put it up on the screen and see if anybody can shout out what this craze was. Anybody remember what that? Magic Eye. Anybody remember Magic Eye pictures? If you're like under 30, you're looking at me going, I have no idea, is this some weird mystical thing we're looking at right now? It just looks like squiggles. It doesn't really work on a screen, but what you had to do, there was loads of techniques. I had a picture on my wall, it was like a double A1 size poster, and you have to figure out the way of being able to see these magic eye. And there was all kinds of technique where you just get really, really close, and then you just back away slightly. And what happens is, um, part of the picture will kind of go backwards, and the rest of it will jump out, and you'll see the image jumping out at you. And that's the idea of these magic eyes. So can anybody, I think that one, it's going to be struggling on the screen, but can anyone figure out what that magic eye is? Any guesses? I mean, I can't figure it out at all. It just looks like a load of blue squiggles to me. But any thoughts? Anyone getting it? No? Just, I think you've got to be straight on and, yeah, flick on and it's just, oh, the guy on the tech knows because he's seen the next slide. Could it be seahorses? That's supposedly what that picture is. Let's just do another one. I'm not sure we're going to get it, but let's just see. This is a festive one just to give you a clue. We've got a festive one right now. So the idea is that some of it should be jumping out and other bits will be kind of going backwards and you'll be able to see an, a headache. Yeah. And if you move the slide on, let's move it on. It's a snowman. But these magic eyes were phenomenal because in my bedroom, I'd just walk in cross-eyed and part of this image would jump out. Um, and, and they just became a craze. And we had one of these books for Christmas. When we were kids, we had it and we'd sit there. And the first Magic Eye book that came out, the strap line was this. A new way of looking at the world. A new way of looking at the world. I want to preach around that title this morning. A new way of looking at the world. 
So we start 2019. It's a natural time for us to look back. Last week we had testimonies. It was fantastic. What a great service. Just so many people sharing about God's faithfulness and how he stepped in and he's, he moves and he's active uh, and he loves us. Uh, and and this, this week we, we often kind of want to set new goals and set new targets and, and New Year's resolutions or maybe you're really spiritual and you just call them spiritual goals because as Christians we're maybe not meant to have resolutions. I don't know, but I do. Um, and so we, we set all these goals of what we want to achieve in 2019. But I just wonder, I wonder if we were to start this year looking at it a different way. Instead of what we can achieve, what God can do for us, I wonder if we were to shift it and start to look first at who God is and how that then impacts us. Instead of going, God, I'm going to do this, I'm going to read the Bible in a year. I'm going to do it. I've done it so many times. I've done it. In my life, I've read the Bible in a year twice, but I've read Genesis and Exodus every year of my life. Just, you get to Leviticus and you're just like, oh, I'm struggling. It's really hard. And then you get to Chronicles and it's like, mm, begat, 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 begat. And you just, I just end up, I've read, I know Genesis and Exodus off the top of my head, but Leviticus, I start to struggle. So we set the, maybe we're going to say, I'm going to pray more. I'm going to pray more and more and more this year than I ever have done before. I'm going to be at church every week. All great goals. As your pastor, I'm like, fantastic, do it. But I wonder if actually, we, we, we look at things the wrong way and we, sh- we need a shift in our thinking to look at things slightly different. Psalm 23. I just want us to read on the screen Psalm 23 together. Can we read it all together with one voice? The Lord is my shepherd. Come on, we can do better than that. Hang on, hang on, hang on. I know it's early morning and you've been used to having a lion, but we're going to read it a bit louder than that. Okay, ready? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want... He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Father God, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that you are ready to speak. And we ask, Holy Spirit, will you just come and speak to us this morning? Lord, in unexpected ways, in prepared ways, will your Holy Spirit just do what only your Holy Spirit can do, which is speak to each one of us right where we're at, and then take us from where we're at and lead us to yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You've probably just read one of the most well-known Bible passages that exists. Uh, Christians and non-Christians alike know this passage. You've probably heard it spoken at funerals. Uh, so it's the, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and often that's read at funerals, and it's popular for that reason. But this, this psalm, it covers so much of our human experience, because in there are green pastures, in there are still waters, there's banquets in there, there's paths. The psalm covers the whole human experience. It's written by King David, written by an amazing man of God. And David, I believe, is not allowing the circumstances that he is going through to define his outlook. Instead, he's looking to God to define his outlook. 
instead of defining God by his circumstances, he defines his circumstances by his God. Can you imagine if we found a way to look at the world where instead of letting our circumstances define who God is, we say, God, this might be going on in my life, but this is who you are. We find the new way to look at the world, and it is through the lens of who God is right at the start of 2019. See, written within this, I'm, we're just going to do a, a simple Bible study this morning, okay? Old school Bible study. We're going to go through the verses, and this is something I've done myself, and it, it, it changed the way I looked at this psalm and how I look at my circumstances. Because wrapped up within, hidden within this psalm, is the full character of God, is the full nature of who our God is. You may not know it, but in the Bible, God is known by lots of different names. There's loads of different names for God. Each one reveals a little bit of his character, a little bit of his nature. And there's, there's Adonai and Elohim and uh, El Shaddai. You know, these are the kind of weird sounding words that when I was a kid, uh, you're in Pentecostal churches growing up as a kid. And you're singing these songs about, and you're like, El I mean, what does El Shaddai mean? I don't have a clue what that means. But there's always some lady with a ribbon doing something as you sing El Shaddai. And that was what it was like. And I'm like, clearly El Shaddai means, and behold the ribbon. Or something. I'm not sure what it means. But I'm just going to sing it, and she's going to dance, and we'll all have a jolly time. But that's for me. It, just, it was when it was all got kind of like strange. And people started doing things. And it was, yeah, I mean, I'm like, up for you. Whatever you want to do, I'm happy with that. But I just didn't understand what any of these things meant. But they're names for God, and it's, it's, it's revealing another part of his character, of who he is as God. And there's one word for God that is the most popular word in the Old Testament. And David did a talk on it a few weeks ago, and it's Yahweh. Over time, that got retranslated to the word Jehovah. Same word, Yahweh, Jehovah, it's the same. it means the same thing. And, and within that, there are nine characteristics of God. Nine Jehovah's. Now, if you grew up in church, you're like, Jehovah Jireh. Do you remember that? Anyone grew up in church remember that song? And it, it unpacks the nature and the character of God. Well, written within this psalm are the nine characters of God. That If we can look at our circumstances, whether we're in green pastures, whether we are in the valley of the shadow of death, if we can grasp who our God is, I wonder if it would shift and change how we look at the world. So today, I just want to do something. We're starting off really practically. And this is a tool for you to use. Maybe as you come to God in prayer this week. Or when you come against a circumstance that just seems to be overwhelming you. Maybe, I, I can't tell you what this year holds for you. I wish I could. I wish I could stand here and say, this year is going to be filled with blessings, which means all good stuff. It's going to be happy. You're going to thrive. You're going to, I wish I could say that. But I'm not that prophetic. But one thing I can tell you, and we've said it this morning, is the God who was faithful yesterday will be the God who is faithful today and the God who is faithful tomorrow. And if we can shift our view of our circumstances and say, no, I'm not going to live according to what that circumstance is saying about God. That I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death and it feels like God has departed. But we go back and we say, no, 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 no. Psalm 23, it says who God is. And so we're going to race through these nine. I've got nine points this morning, okay? It's like, 300% more than we're ever taught to do in, in learning how to preach. But we've got nine points. And the first is this. The Lord is my shepherd. If we could just grasp that. I could spend all morning just speaking on the Lord is my shepherd. I love it because David says the Lord is my shepherd. Not anybody else's. Well, he's yours as well, but I'm claiming him for me. He is my shepherd. David is that close to God. Church, could we get that close to God that is not just the subject of our singing, but he's the subject, he's the substance of our existence. 
that everything that I'm about is he is my God. He is my friend. He is my Lord. When we drive to work, when we take on that challenging situation, we can say he is my shepherd. Best thing we can do in 2019 is get personal with God. For God to become my shepherd, my God, my friend, my saviour, daily waking up. Something I do regularly, wake up, is like, you're my shepherd. You're my God. You're for me. You're mine. And the Old Testament word, for those who like it a little bit deep, we're going to bring in some, uh, some other languages this morning, okay? But we've got Jehovah Rohi. Jehovah Rohi is the, the, the term that was used, and it means God is my shepherd. It actually means God is my pastor. Did you know God is your, I mean, I might pastor this church, but do you know who your pastor is? It's God. Do you know what I'm doing a lot more as I meet people? When I'm, I'm just doing the job of a pastor and just meeting with people and praying with people, I'm, gonna, I'm probably going to ask you, have you prayed to God about that? Have you asked God about that? Before you ring me, and that's not because I don't want to speak to you, I'll pray for you about anything. But have you spoken to God about it? Because I think we do a lot of good talk about prayer, but I'm not sure we actually do that much praying. Have you spoken to your pastor about it? Can I say, I'm the pastor of this church, but we've got one lead pastor. And he is your pastor. And he is there. More, he's a better pastor than I could ever be because the minute you need him, he is there. Sometimes I can't answer my phone. God's there. Sometimes I can't make the time available when you need it there and then. God's right there. He is your shepherd. John 10, 14 says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Jesus is your pastor. And that leads us to the second name of God. Because God is your shepherd, he will take care of everything you need. That is to say, the Lord is my provider. So the Lord is my shepherd and the Lord is my provider. For those who like these languages, it's Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. Culture says lead yourself. Culture says be the leader of your own life. Get what you can get. Do what you can do. But here, the Bible says we need a shepherd. Why? Because it's very clear that it says we're the sheep. We're the sheep. And we need one who will lead us and feed us. We no longer have to chase the right situation. We simply have to follow the right shepherd. And so no matter what you go through this year, you have got a God who is your shepherd right there beside you. He leads you. But he's also Jehovah Jireh, your provider. He feeds you. Matthew 6, it says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first God and his kingdom, because he is your provider. You're not promised a perfect situation, but you do have a perfect saviour. So even if your situations become shaky, you can know that your saviour is secure. Whatever happens in 2019, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He's your provider. Because the Lord is my provider, why would I want to search for anything outside of him? Why would I journey away from him and look at sex, drugs, rock and roll? Why would I pursue the other things when he is the one that provides? He is the one that feeds. I'm not saying that having stuff is bad. You might have rushed to the January sales. I hope you got a bargain. But you know they don't satisfy our soul. 
they do not satisfy that bit within us that was made to create and connect with God. I'm not saying possessions are bad, but I'm saying don't put your trust in them. They cannot satisfy. If they could, they would have done by now. People that have won millions on the lottery, got all the stuff in the world, their life would be satisfied, but it isn't. The only way to be satisfied is to define your life through my God who will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. All of your needs. When we redefine and look at the world a different way and we say, do you know what? I feel lonely in this moment, but there is a God who said he will provide. I'm going to feed on him. I'm going to let him lead me. Instead of letting our circumstances define our God. He will meet your needs this year. It will not be your spouse. It will not be your kids. It will not, won't be your income or your expenditure. It won't be a set of perfect, perfect circumstances. We need a new way to look at the world. It is a God who will meet all of our needs. For my God is a provider. He's our shepherd. He's our provider. I'm flying through. I'd encourage you to go away and look at these more yourself. But it says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. I love that. Sometimes we need to be made to lie down, don't we? If you're anything like me, but it's just like, John, you need to lie down. Stop. And he makes us lie down in green pastures. Someone who reminds me that they are a shepherd and I am a sheep. Lie down in these green pastures. Sit beside these still waters. The actual translation there of uh, beside still waters, it reads, rest beside, sorry, beside waters of rest. Stop beside waters of rest. Because the third name is this, and somebody prayed it earlier on. God is my peace. The Lord is my peace. He's my peace. Church, understand this. God does not have peace for you. He is your peace. We can come and we can ask God, God, will you give me peace? And he says, you need me. In me, there is peace. Peace is in his nature. Jesus is the prince of peace. We looked at it before Christmas, but he is the leader. If you, if you want to go back and listen to that talk, but uh, prince of peace, it means he's the leader to our wholeness, the leader to our completeness. When peace is gone, why? Because you are scattered. You're worrying about this and you're worrying about that or you've got so much going on in your life. You're over here and you're over there and you're just like, I am overwhelmed. I've got no peace in my life. Jesus says, come to me. Peace I've got for you. My peace I give to you. The leader to completeness. I will bring you back together. I will bring you back to that place of wholeness. The, uh, the original language is Jehovah Shalom. If you feel stressed right now about work, money, family, health, maybe it's from no one else other than you. Maybe you're working really, really hard. Do you know there's a proverb Oh, sorry, in Ecclesiastes 4, 6. It is a proverb, really, but it says, Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls uh, with toil and chasing after the wind. Scripture even says, Do you know what? It's better to have one handful and tranquility than a whole two handfuls and be stressed out of your brains. How many of us have taken two handfuls of life and we wonder why we're struggling? We have no margin in our life. That's a word that God has said to me this year is about margin. That I'm living with very little margin in my life. Some of us are living with so much going on in our lives. When, when that bit doesn't work out, we're stressed because, well, if that bit hasn't, hang on, what, I've got no time. I, I, and the, the peace is gone. Jesus says, there's a point at which you need to come to me as your peace. 
one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil chasing after the wind. So often, too many good things can become the enemy of the best things. You know, Bella is getting to the age where we want to get her into like clubs and uh, she's doing swimming, she's doing ballet, uh, she wants to do something called freestyle. I'm not sure what that is, it sounds evil to me, but um, f- I don't know what, anyway, she wants to do freestyle and then there's gymnastics. Uh, she starts brownies and I'm just like, I'm thinking her diary is going to be more full than mine. Um, and it's all really, really, really good stuff. And as a parent, you want, you want to find that thing your kid's going to thrive in and you want to release them into it. It's like, you know what, we just want to find, if she's like a musician, we just want to give her everything she can to feel she's going to thrive in music or if she's going to be a brownie, whatever that leads to. She, she will just give her a brownie uniform and she can be a great brownie and it's fantastic. If she's going to do ballet as, you know, some famous ballerina, Darcy Bustle, then I'm just like, I want to, I want to release her into that. But in the search for so much good stuff, we can get exhausted on the way. We can become like we're drowning on the way. Even though as a parent I want to do the best thing for my daughter, I end up killing the whole family because we're exhausted and we've got nothing left to be able to enjoy the journey. It was said this morning, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you um, peace as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. See, Jesus is my peace. Jesus is my daughter's peace. Not finding that one thing where she is going to thrive in life. But Jesus. Jesus is her peace. Will I allow him to shepherd me, leading and feeding, providing me the peace that restores my soul? says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. You know, the word restored there is actually the word healed. He heals my soul. We're going to look at this a little bit later on in the year. But the expanded meaning of of healing your soul is to return it back to the place that it once was. That your your health was, was here, but now it's over here. And you declare in Jesus' name, restore my health. And it's taking it back to that place where it was whole. Your marriage was here, but now it's somehow it's got over here. And he restores your marriage back to that which it was. He restores your soul. He is the only one that can restore your soul. See, the fourth name of God that is revealed in this psalm is, Lord is my healer. Jehovah Rapha. He heals. God still heals. And yes, I mean physically. Yes, I mean emotionally. Yes, I mean mentally. What about spiritually? He restores my soul. I believe God heals our bodies and we celebrate when he does. But I want to put to you this morning that there is something far greater than the healing of our bodies. Let me tell you, healing of our bodies is great, but it's only temporary, isn't it? Just a newsflash, spoiler alert, we're all going to die. So even if we experience physical healing, it is temporary. It's temporary. Let me tell you the the specimen of a human being stood before you, it's but a tent, Scripture says. And it's got failings and it's got flaws. I know it doesn't look like it, but it has. Don't laugh too loud. But it has, because this is but a tent. And church, there is a greater healing for our soul that goes on into eternity. Third John uh, 1 verse 2 says, Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you, that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. See that connection? 
that actually there is a far greater healing than your physical body and it's something that is inside of you, it's the center of your being, it's your soul, that actually when that is going well, physically something shifts. Something changes. See, there's a sickness epidemic in our world that no one other than God can heal and it is inside of us, it is the very center of our being, it is our souls. And when our souls are sick, it can be worse than physical sickness. But when our soul is well with God, you know, I've met people and there are people in this church right now whose soul is set and healed by God and they know what he has done for him. They know that when he took on that cross, he took on their sin and it didn't just hang there. Jesus isn't still on the cross. We don't worship a Jesus that is still on that cross. He went down into the grave and he took your sin with him and he died to that and he said, this is no longer going to rule and reign, but I'm going to reign over it and he rose again and he is now seated at the right hand of the Father. And when you get that in your soul, you go, do you know what? Wow. That's not who I am when I messed up then. God, I'm sorry, but that's, that's done. That's dead in the grave. Thank you that you died for my sins, past, present, and future. And now my soul is right with you. And when you get that in your soul, something starts to shift. And no matter what physical sickness comes your way, you can rejoice in the midst of it. And I love being around people that are like that. I need more of that in my life. When there are those that are saying, do you know what? This is riddling my body to the point of death, but I'm raising my hands in worship because my soul knows something more than my physical circumstances are declaring. And it is a new way to look at the world when God defines your circumstances, not your circumstances defining your God. Careful, I'm going to start to preach. 1 Peter 2, verses 24 and 25, it says, He, Jesus, personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds you are healed. Once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. Yes, Jesus can heal your diseases, but let me tell you, he can heal every part of you where you're experiencing dis-ease. Where your soul is experiencing dis-ease. He and he alone can lead us back from that path that we've chosen to walk down or that, that life is leading us down. And he can bring ease to our souls and lead us back on the right path. Psalm 23 carries on. It says, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And the, the fifth name is this. The Lord is my righteousness. I just want to say, if you can just get these names of who God is and understand throughout this year and let them define you. Oh my goodness. It changes who we are. For the Lord is my righteousness. This is a good fun one. So you can impress your mates with this. Jehovah Sidkenu. The T is silent. So it's Sidkenu. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Do you know righteousness has a path? Who knew that? That there's a right path and there is a wrong path. And when we allow the shepherd to lead us. We acknowledge that we're his sheep, that we look to him to provide, that he alone is the source of all of our peace, that he alone can bring healing to our souls. He leads us on the path of righteousness, the path that is right. The picture of the path in the biblical metaphor is, is, the, uh, is that of your life. The path is this picture of your life, life's journey. See, some think that when you give your life to God, it's suddenly become boring, dull, and shades of grey. Some think that living for God really means something dour. But following God's path does not mean that all the fun is taken out. John 10.10, 10, I love John 10.10. 10. But the enemy has come to rob, steal and destroy. But Jesus came that you would have life and life more abundantly. 
See, when we choose to say, God, I surrender to you, I'm going to let you define my circumstances. I'm going to walk on your path, the righteous path. And he says, do you know what? I've got a life for you right there. The result is a life and life more abundantly. Um, when we bought our new house, we, we inherited a, a large garden. Some of you have heard this story. If you've been here for a church for a while, then uh, they, th- those sort of stories occupied my um, illustrations for a while. But we had a, like a climbing plant. I think it's a clematis. You know climbing plants in your garden? But it didn't have anything to climb up. And so it had just gone crazy. It was all over the place. It was, it was kind of strangling other plants, and it was just going crazy. Do you know what you do for climbing plants? You put up something called a trellis. And the climbing plant then can climb up this trellis. See, the path of righteousness is just like a trellis. It is a support system that we can orientate our lives around. It doesn't mean that that path is going to go the way you want it to all the time, that it's going to be hunky-dory, there's going to be no struggles, there's going to be nothing that will come across it that will be hard. The path is not about our comfort. Notice the path is about the name of God. I read this this morning, Psalm 2. This is always dangerous when I go off my notes. But the end of Psalm 2 says, Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Blessed are those who live for the name of God. Take their refuge in who? Him, his name. Path of righteousness for his name's sake. I'm just taking this psalm and seeing the names of God, who he is, that we're on the right path regardless of what we go through, his name is revealed. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. See, circumstances, I think for David here, we can, I think, very easily argue, circumstances weren't always great for David. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it's about as bad as it gets. Walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We've got valleys, we've got shadows, we've got death, but David knows the name and nature of our God. Proverbs 18.10, it says, The name of the Lord is a fortified tower. The righteous run to it, and they are safe. Not perfect circumstances. Not a really healthy bank account. Not, oh, I've reached retirement. Thank goodness for that. I'm, I'm, I made it. I'm secure. I'm good. No, no, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. That those that are on righteousness path can run towards it, and they are safe. God is not punished. Some, somebody needs to hear this this morning. God is not punishing David for his, for when he's walking through the valley of the shadow of death, but he is revealing his name. Some of you need to know that at the start of this year. There's the circumstances you go through. You think God has left me, God has deserted me, God is punishing me. No, no, he's revealing his character and his nature. And when we allow it to shift and we say, God, God, you're my righteousness. God, you're my shepherd. We need to understand it, that whatever we face, Whatever we go through, even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And this is the sixth name, for you are with me. And I'm going to call it this. This isn't the exact meaning, but just to keep it in consistency with the Lord is my, the Lord is my constant companion. Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is there. It's the actual meaning of that. The Lord is there. The Lord is where? There. What, where? Here? There. Yeah, there. What, when I walk over here, the Lord's there? Yeah, the Lord's there because he was there before you got there, so he's always there. And what happens if I go over here? Yep, the Lord's there. And happens if I wander this? Yeah, the Lord's there. The Lord is there. No matter what you go through this year, God is there. He is your constant companion at work, in the hospital, in the court, during family time, sleep time, holiday time, pressure time. Guess who's there? God is there. A few nights ago, Bella was struggling to sleep. 
she's kind of uh, growing up and I guess imagination and the rest of it and she was convinced there were monsters in the house and so it's, we had to do the monster check I'm like checking under the bed it's like no there's no monsters under there Bella checking the cupboard no there's no monsters there and, and, and we just have to check the whole of her bedroom uh, and uh, at one point she kind of got a little bit scared and, and Ruben was joining in because he just heard he didn't really understand he just went monsters my room um, and we're like, this is great. It's like, okay, let's go and check monsters in your room. He doesn't have a clue what that means, but we're just checking for monsters. And it was hilarious because we sat on the landing. I've got Bella and Ruben, and I'm sat there. And I'm like, you, do, you don't need to worry, though, even if, even if there was such a thing as monsters. And I'm a pastor, so I'm like, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Come on, let's declare it as a family. And they, they don't get a break. But um, uh, as we're sat there, I'm like, you do realize, though, daddy's just downstairs, don't you? I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, I know karate. I know how to karate chop a monster. And they're just, they're, they're giggling, and I'm, I'm trying to make it lighthearted for them. And they're like, what do you mean karate chop a monster? I'm like, Hu-da! and they're like, we're all there on the landing then just karate chopping midair. I'm like, if any monster came anywhere near this house, I'm going to karate chop that monster, so it's not coming anywhere near you anyway. And they're laughing, and I mean, it's meant to be bedtime, so I'm kind of trying to calm them down as well. But they're laughing, and, and suddenly the whole atmosphere changed. Do you know what amazed me? The reassurance it brought when they knew daddy was near. God is your constant companion. If we can get that in our heads for this year, no matter what we go, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, God is your constant companion. Jehovah Shammah. Someone needs to hear that today. Your daddy is close. Your heavenly father is not distant, standoffish. He is not punishing you when you go through those moments when it feels like he's deserted you. He's reminding you. Don't let your emotions and your feelings be Lord. I'm Lord. It may feel like I'm not close, but what does my word say? Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. I'm going to skip forward. The, uh, the eighth, uh, seventh, sorry, seventh name of God. Are we on seven? Anyone take a seventh? Great. I haven't got ahead of myself too far. Verse five, it says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I'm going to link seven and eight. But it's seven is the Lord is my victory. Jehovah Nissi. Literally means he is my banner of victory. Love that. That God goes before you in every single battle that you will ever face. And he, ha- he carries a banner that says, we've already won. We've already won. Church, if we grasp that name of God in 2019, every battle will lose its impact over us because we already stand in the place of victory. We already stand with the God who has won. We stand in the presence of our God and he says, my name is Jehovah Nissi, I am victory. And we'll be able to rejoice with him in the midst of troubles because our circumstances don't define our God. Our God defines our circumstances. Because we have a God who has already gone before us. We get to sit at the table and eat roast beef. Or quinoa if you're a vegan. (laughs) Just a special one for the vegans. Sue. (laughs) He prepares a table. That's what he says. There's a battle going on right here. We're in the presence of our enemies. And he says, we've already won. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play host as the next name of God. The Lord is my host. I'm going to play host. And you're going to sit down and you can eat. You can eat in the presence of your enemies. They haven't gone away, but you, you've already won. So there's no point fighting them. You sit down and have the celebratory meal because I am your banner. I am your victory. So I'm going to play host. Jehovah Sabaoth. God is my host. 
means literally that God is the Lord of armies. That means no army, spiritual or otherwise, is strong enough to defeat your God. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The enemy has no power. God has won. And so he raises the banner of victory even in their presence and he chooses to play host. That is the lack of power that the enemy has over you. He's doing what he's doing. And you're like, I'm just going to sit down and eat a meal. I'm just going to celebrate. I'm just going to rejoice. I'm just going to have some fun with my God. This is not a meal that's waiting for you on the other side of the valley. It's a meal that's a celebratory meal in the middle of the valley, in the presence of my enemies. Because the enemy doesn't get to determine our state. God says, sit, rest, put your feet up. Let me feed you from a place of victory because I am the Lord of the armies. So we're going to get to the final name. And then we're going to take communion. And then we're going to draw things to a close. Is that okay? (laughs) An amen for that. (laughs) Love it. So God is my shepherd. My provider, my peace, my healer, my righteousness, my constant companion, my victory, my host. And finally, and this is quite a long one, but it says, the Lord is my sanctifier. Really long, posh word. The Lord is my sanctifier. The Old Testament one's even more fun, so bear with me on this. Jehovah Medkidishka. If you know languages, then go for it. You can have some fun with that, but that's what I'm saying. And it literally means God has set me apart for something special. That's what sanctification means, that he's sanctifying us, that he set us apart. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. You anoint my head with oil. The picture of anointing was a picture of being set apart for something special. That you have a supernatural ability like the hand of God is upon you. And that's not just for those that stand up in front of church or maybe you flick on TBN or God channel and you're like, wow, they're anointed. That's not what that means. God has anointed you and he's anointed you and he's anointed you and you and you and you and you, everyone in this room. You anoint my head with oil. You're set apart for something special. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You're the reason that God did it, that he stepped into this world. And he made a way for humanity to draw closer to him. So whatever your goals are for 2019, no matter what you want to achieve for God, do you know what his word says? That I have anointed you to be taken out of the darkness and to declare my light. So whether this year you get the job that you want, whether you get the part that you've been longing for, whether you get the kids you've been praying for, whether you get the salary increase that you need to make your life that little bit happier, whether any of that happens or not, God has said, I've got an anointing on your life and it's to come out of the darkness and to shine my light wherever I have you. Wherever that path of righteousness leads you, I want you to shine my light back into the darkness and declare, I am your shepherd, I am your provider, I am your host, I am your victory. All nine of these characters and natures of God. And not only has he anointed you, but it says that my cup overflows. Church, you have more than enough. Thank you, one person. You know, God's grace is not just enough, it is more than enough. That whatever happens this year, however far you feel you may fall, whether you feel like you're ruling and reigning this year for God, and it's like it's the closest I've ever been, it's like he must love me more this year. Now his grace is more than sufficient for you. The cup overflows. I want to also say that I think God has got something inside of you that when you step into that, it's like you're just overflowing. 
It's like I'm not running dry in this. I just, I just feel like I'm thriving. I feel like God is just using me. And it's like, I'm, everyone else says, God, you must get exhausted doing this. And it's just like, I don't. My cup, it's overflowing. Yeah, it doesn't mean I don't need to sleep. It doesn't mean I don't need to go and sit by those still things and know, know God's peace. But I just, my cup is overflowing. And, and, and when our cup is overflowing, do you know what it does? It impacts everybody else around us. Start to transform our streets. Starts to transform our town because our cup is overflowing with that which he has put inside of us. Church, I'm finishing. If Ian was here, he would come and start to play softly and would feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. We're going to take communion. I want, to, I want to start this year as we ended last year. Because there's a moment in Scripture when Jesus is in this garden and it's called the Garden of Gethsemane. It literally means the Garden of, of Pressing. It's the oil press, the Garden of Pressing. Circumstances were against him. Now, I'm not going to be a prophet of doom, but there's going to be some days that feel great for you this year and other days that feel really, really filling with an expletive. Just like, God, it's just, just rubbish. I just I can't do it today. When everything feels like it is pressing against you. Circumstances. It's like, God, I cannot cope. Jesus has been there. Can I tell you, there is only one guide who will walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death because he has been through the valley of the shadow of death and he knows and he walks with you through it. And he's there in this garden and he says, oh, I wish you'd take this cup from me. Father, can you take this cup from me? Yet not my will, but your will. I want to declare something over your life. Jesus' cup ran dry so yours could overflow. As you start this year, Jesus is more than enough for you. And he has been through emptiness. He has been through brokenness. He has been crushed. So actually, all you'll ever experience is the shadow of death, not death itself. So at the start of this year, how about we look at the world a different way? We say circumstances says this, but my God says that. My bank account says this, but my God says that. My health says this, but my God says that. And we shift how we look at the world. For Jesus endured his cup so our cup could overflow. Jesus stood in our place so we could know the end of this psalm says, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell forever in the house of the Lord. That's God's promise. That's God's. That's why the best is yet to come. Because that's what waits. No matter what circumstances we face. So we're going to eat this bread and we're going to drink this cup. And we're going to gather. I'm going to invite you forward. And you can spend as long as you want at this table. But I want you to ponder who your God is. Just what God has done for you. That he is your shepherd. He is your provider. He is your peace. He is your healer. Here's your righteousness. Here's your constant companion. Here's your victory. Here's your host. Here's your sanctifier. We gaze on him. We look up the mountain and see where our help comes from. So I just invite you forward right now. And we're going to keep it quite quiet. So I see you've got time just to pray, just to think, just to be with God. So Lord, we thank you. We thank you that your cup ran dry. So Lord, even in our worst moments, our cup will never run dry. 
So we ask you, Holy Spirit, just come now and give us a greater sense of the reality of who you are. In Jesus' name. Come forward when you're ready.